Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to the Overnight Success Podcast, brought to you by Maria Hatsi Stefanis. Maria is the founder of Rodial and Nippin Fab, best selling author, and on a mission to help you achieve your dreams. Maria's highly anticipated third book, How to Live Your Best Life, is now available on Amazon. Hi, Lorna, and Hello. welcome to the Overnight Success Podcast. Thanks for having me. I am very excited to have you because this is my first episode this season with an influencer. I'm honored. And we have so many listeners who would love to hear your tips and tricks, and we're going to go into that. But one thing I have to say, I am obsessed with your feed. I love how you use black and white and, and caramel, and you're always tanned. You always <laughs> look very expensive. So Lona Lux, it's such an appropriate name. How did you come up with a name? Uh, Lux actually was my number plate on my car. And when oh. I started Instagram, Lorna had already been taken. And I was thinking, what can I do? What can I do? And there was a girl I was working with at the time. He said, just be Lorna Lux. And we'll all remember that because of your car. So that's how it came about. Completely nothing to do with what has now become my brand. I love it. And how long have you been an influencer? I'd say that I've been on Instagram for about five years. Yeah. And I started my blog about four years ago. But as a serious sort of influencer, somebody that makes this their career, probably about three and a half. Okay. And how did you get into it? Accidentally, I joined Instagram initially and found a real community quite quickly. I think because I, I had a lot of time on my hands, I was chatting a lot. And I think at the beginning of the Instagram journey for most people, um, engagement was really important. It was how you grew. I still believe that to this day. And so because I had so much time to chat, my community, although it was quite small, was very engaged. And so as a consequence of that, the, the community that I was in, we all grew Pretty, pretty rapidly together. Mm. And some of those influencers are now big names. But I remember when we used to just chat about how cute we looked in our outfits back in the day. Wow. So that's been quite interesting to see. Mm. And your background, I, I know it wasn't fashion. No, no so I, I yeah. trained at university to be a classical pianist. Wow. And then I couldn't, um, I didn't want to go home after uni and I was, didn't have any money. So my mum said, you've got to move back. So I thought, I can't do that. So I got a job for Virgin Atlantic as an air hostess. Wow. And then I loved it. I was really good at it. It's predominantly customer service. And you were always working with new people and traveling. 
So it was really a great time to be, you know, 22, 23, traveling the world, meeting lots of interesting people. Mm. Honestly, that career move gave me so much confidence that has helped me so much in the job that I do now because we are constantly meeting new people and being thrown mm. into new situations and you don't really know what you're getting yourself into even today coming to this huge you know mean you know this is not by any means a, a small office and you just <laughs> don't know what you're going to meet and so it can be quite intimidating mm. I had a lot to that that kind of job role at the beginning so yeah so that was my 20s did that for all of my 20s mm-hmm. and it was only in my 30s that I started Instagram okay so I'm a late bloomer that's really encouraging because I think a lot of people out there, including myself, you know, I've changed careers. I went from finance into yeah. beauty. Um, and there's a lot of people out there who at some point in their careers, they think this is not the right career path for me and they change. And especially with Instagram, you have so many different people, so many different markets out there that anyone at any age can get started on it. So that's very encouraging. Yeah. It's a great well, everybody um, needs to be represented, don't they? Mm. They want to look to someone that they can identify with. I think I've been quite smart in the way that I've built my Instagram brand. That I've not really told people too much about how much I, you know, how old I am, or how I acquire money, or how I have certain the live the way that I live, and it keeps people quite interested. So mm. I, I would say that the biggest hack for me on Instagram right now is to not give ever hundred percent to always hold something back mm. because I think it keeps people. Uh, more engaged, more interested. I'm more intrigued by people that don't tell me everything. Mm. Um, And maybe that's an age thing, I don't know. Maybe being a bit older and a bit more private. Mm. Now, I love your feed. It's it's so inspiring. I love the colours. How long have you been following that feed? You have a special filter that you're using. It's a a certain style. You always look at your pictures and everyone knows this is Lona Lux. Yeah, the identity. Um, When did you develop that identity and was it one day you woke up and you thought this is going to be my identity or was it an evolution? It was an evolution. Um, I think I made two big decisions during my Instagram process. The first was about three years ago where everybody was shooting against white backgrounds. It was very white, minimalist. And I was sat in bed one night and I said to John, my husband, I'm really bored about the pictures I'm posting and what I'm talking about and how I look. So we decided to shoot completely differently at the time and go for dark and shadow and silhouettes. Mm. And then that became a trend in itself. So I think I was just kind of lucky to get on that bandwagon first. And it became very, you know, almost representative of my brand at that time. What I would say is that as I've become more smart with my camera and I've learned how to use equipment better, although my pictures probably look quite naive and look quite, you know, I've just shot in the street or it's really is quite considered. And there's not really an image on there that hasn't had a lot of thought and process behind it Mm. and a lot of edit. And I use lots of edit equipment, Uh, Facetune, I use Visco and I'm not ashamed to admit it. And, you know, I've even written a blog post about it because I think it's really important that we share our, you know, our tips and tricks. There's no reason to hide behind how you do what you do. Mm. I think people follow me for me, not for something that they can't be the same, if you know what I mean. Mm. So yes, I've changed. If you, I think if you went back to my 3,000 pictures, there's definitely been three sets of Lorna looks. Okay. And I'm sure there'll be another one coming. I'm sure. I'm not sure what that will be yet. We shall see. Yeah. 
I'm also very, very intrigued by your stories because there you have a little bit of a different style. Mm. You do post some of your pictures that you have on the day and you show them on stories, but then you you talk a lot. Yeah. And then you, you give a bit more of your personality with the stories. So what's your strategy with stories? So very recently I started to talk, probably only in the last six months, and that was off the back of people saying to me on trips, why don't you talk? Because we don't know you as the person that we're meeting now, you seem quite guarded and quiet. And actually I'm quite normal and, you know, I'm working class, I'm not, um, I haven't got a very posh accent and I'm just a normal person. So I thought, oh, well, how can I like, How can I do this? And I've never done it before. And I know just before we started this, we both admitted that we, nobody likes the sound of their own voice. No one. So it was a bit of a, I don't know, I just, dove straight into it and I think I just went onto stories one day and started to talk and the reaction was brilliant mm. and then I thought well I need to pursue that everything on Instagram and social media is trial and error and what works for one person won't work necessarily for another mm. so I think everything you see me doing on stories is a tester for what I want them to do in other areas of my business mm. so I would expect me to be doing more talking on other platforms in the next year there will definitely be more mood boards and the things that I'm seeing people share and like are the, the things that I'm going to pursue. And I think stories is the most reactive of all the things that you can do on social media at the minute. You get an instant reaction. You can see how many people swipe up, who shares it. There's a lot of facts on there. Mm -hmm. And I'm a real stats person. So everything I do really is driven by the stats and the behind the scenes. And if something's not working, I'm not too emotional about my brand or my product I just keep it moving and change yeah with and, stories I mean yeah. that's the beauty of it but then going back to speaking on stories because that's a conversation that um, I hear with a lot of influencers some of them are a bit more shy and yeah. they don't like to talk but I think th that applies to me and obviously recording this podcast and listening to it I do freak out every time <laughs> I have to, to check it but um, the thing with this podcast is we record I listen to it for the edit and I never listen to it again. Okay. I move on. But I think it's the same with the stories. If I speak on my stories, I don't watch it again. I don't yeah. know if you watch it again many times. I don't actually. Mm. I probably should do. I sometimes skip through them because I like to, I'm a real storyteller and I don't want to have too many stills, too many videos. I like a cohesive mm. end of story. So in a 24 hours, I want to see a colorful mix of stills, of beauty, of fashion. So I'm kind of trying to create I'm almost like a magazine a day to read. And that's why, although it feels very impulsive, which a lot of it is, there's still quite a lot of strategy behind it and a lot of ticking boxes. That's really smart. Yeah. That's really smart. Just to keep people interested. Mm. So you said that you may be exploring different platforms yeah. where you would speak more. Are we talking about YouTube? We potentially will be talking about IGTV. Huh, okay. Which I think for me would be the most sensible move, especially because I'm not known on YouTube and to ask all my audience to then traverse over to another platform when there is already a video platform built on Instagram. I think that's the next step, if I'm honest. I'm quite nervous about it. So I've not spoken publicly about doing it yet. But yeah, that's it. You've got an exclusive on that because mm, that's definitely going to happen. Love it. I cannot wait. It's a new platform I think we're all watching right now. Yeah. It will take off. I feel it just needs some more exciting content. I, I don't know if the exciting content is there yet. No, there's um, nothing. No one's really doing anything different because obviously people are fearful mm. that they, if they do too, something too different, it's going to fall flat on its face. So I think from my perspective, 
it won't be an area of my business that I will monetize necessarily at the beginning. It will be just something that I can pour some art and love and enjoyment into. Mm. And then just see, in the same way that you say you work with people that you enjoy actively being with, I want to do something that I actively want to watch. Because if I can't be bothered to watch it, I can't expect anyone else to. Mm. That is a good so that's the plan. point. So how do you plan your shoots, your clothes? Do you put all the clothes together and say, over the next few days, this is what I'm going to shoot, and you have your mood boards? What's your strategy? So the mood boards are really important because that, for me, is um, not necessarily sharing images of clothes that I necessarily want to buy, but if I keep featuring the same pictures in my mood boards, it's like a signal to me that I need to get that jacket. I keep talking about it, just get it. Mm. So that's where the mood board came from. And then when I started to share that, people were like, these are great, love these. So now I've kept it as a highlight. Um, and actually, when I go through the old past mood boards, it's really impacted what I'm wearing now. Mm-hmm. So it does kind of, I think it's like a subconscious, isn't it? But in terms of how I shoot, I have two wardrobes, two rooms. I have um, a room that's just an absolute mess with clothes that are probably about a year old that I don't know what to do with, but there might be a few gems in there that sometimes I just go in and go, oh, yeah, I'm gonna wear that today. Mm-hmm. And then I've got like a rail, an active rail, um, in a very sparse room in the house. So when I go into that room, I feel like my mind is much cleaner and less stressed. And then it's just got pieces that I haven't worn, a few pieces that I live by, and the same for shoes and bags, very simple. And I think my simplicity has rolled out onto my uh, Instagram. I actually have taken a bit of flack recently from people saying that I'm quite repetitive. And I was chatting to an influencer in Paris about it, and she was like, oh, I just feel like a lot of the time you tend to wear quite similar things. But I think the reality of life is that as a real person, you do wear the same things more than once. Mm. And so that's quite interesting. You have these girls on Instagram that literally will only wear an outfit once. And they're probably the people that you go to for inspiration and what's new, what's fresh. And some of it you might not like, but some of it you might. Whereas mine is more about teaching people how to have staples in the wardrobe and then just live and wear and enjoy them. So I've really found my own little niche, I think, Mm. in the industry. And I don't see that changing too much. I think I will always be like that. I think that there is something to be said about the consistency and your audience knowing what to expect when your pictures come up. I do follow a whole number of influencers and stylists, and I do get confused at times when one day there is a green outfit, the next day there's a blue outfit, the next day it's a lot of print, and I don't know what their style is. Um, And my personal preference is is what you do, which I do in a similar way, although it's not my full-time job, but I do like clothes. And it's all about having a bunch of basics that you repeat, that they're good quality, that you use them again and again. And you also give out the message that you don't need to have a thousand pieces in your wardrobe. You can have five key things, mix and match, wear them in different ways and you know that's the big sustainability message these days which, which is very important it's not so at the minute sustainability is something that gets used a lot i think within our industry and i've been a bit cautious to kind of talk about that particularly because obviously i've had involvement with you know a fast fashion brand and releasing my in the style collection which i'm incredibly proud of we'll talk about that yeah uh, but i think other things that i've always been quite worried about is that yes it really is difficult for us as product testers we are here to test product day to day to day to show people different collections and we work with brands 
to showcase their collections. Of course, we have an inordinate amount of clothes that your average Joe just wouldn't have. But how do you become relatable Lorna on the gram that's just your girl next door, your mate, your person that you're friends with, but also seems to have an extraordinary collection of the same blazer in about five million colours? So it's been a real test because it's actually affected my business in terms of what collaborations I accept, if the collaborations are too... Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Similar, I now have to, maybe two years ago I wouldn't, but now I have to turn them down. Because otherwise you're sending such a strange message out of just buy the same thing a zillion different times with a, a zillion different mm-hmm. brands. And I think that is going to be interesting to watch play out with a lot of other influencers that are feeling the heat right now. Because we're kind of accountable, aren't we? In terms of mm-hmm. who, how we instruct our audience or our community to behave. And it, is re- it, it troubles me, I won't lie. I think about it a lot. Well, you do seem to be in control of, of your outfits. Like yeah. you, you give no impression that you have this messy room full of Good. tons of clothes. <laughs> the great thing about having this capsule collection that we all see, and the way that you put things together, it looks very expensive. Good. So can we discuss what makes you look expensive on Instagram? Like some um, crazy tips. Yeah, okay. My crazy tips are less is more. So I don't really layer. I think this is the most jewellery I've worn in a while. And if I'm wearing lots of necklaces, I don't tend to juggle loads of bracelets. And I've always felt that people that look like they tried too hard don't look expensive to me. So I tend to usually have one key piece in any outfit that maybe is designer or that has an air, an air of affluence. And the rest of it is super pared back. 
I love jeans, white tees, neutrals. I tend to stay away from bright colours unless it's something really out there. Mm. And there's something about that I find, maybe I'm, I'm very drawn to Paris and I love the Parisian style. And I find that Parisians in general are very pared back. And they're people that have a rotation of clothes. So maybe that's it, I don't mm. know. But that would be my top tip. I would one also, key piece. One key piece. I would also say that you look like you always have a tan. Yes. And I don't know if that's a real tan or if you retouch fake, it. Yeah, fake, yeah. But that makes a bit of color makes everyone look expensive. Yeah, and healthy. And healthy. And I'm very pale naturally. So I've never sunbathed in my entire life. I've always stayed under an umbrella because I'm quite freckly. Mm. And so I think that's why I've always been a champion of fake tan. And how about hair and makeup? What What is it that you do to, again, look expensive? Um, I think I'm quite careful with makeup. I think getting into my 30s, I had to change the way I applied makeup anyway. And what way? Um, I think just less colour mm. and garishness. I love a red lip, though. I'm a huge ambassador of a red lip. I think on a tired day, when I get to about 4 o'clock in the afternoon, if I've got a meeting, I'll slap on some red okay. and it just immediately looks like I'm ready to fight a war. And I love to match my lipstick with my eyeshadow. So for example, today I've got your, it's electric chill, but I'm not sure what the colour name is. And I've got that as my eyes. And then I've got a MAC lipstick that is an identical match. So it's like the perfect yeah, combo. Yeah, I love it. And it's just, it, almost like an outfit, it brings it together. And then the rest of my face is probably quite neutral today. I quite like to be quite pared back. I don't think I need to have loads and loads of makeup on. Less is more, yeah. as you said. Yeah, I feel more comfortable mm. like that. Was there ever a point that you were, I don't know if let down is the right word, but let down by this whole Instagram industry and you thought, oh, this is too much, I may as well quit. Did, did this ever cross your mind? It hasn't, but I think as a person, I don't really get overwhelmed by things, which I can see a lot of people would. I'm not a big, huge comparison person. So I don't suffer that trap of you know comparing my day to anybody else's. I think my hack for that would be, I don't really watch other people's stories, which actually can be quite rude sometimes when I go to events. They're like, oh, you know, I don't, I'm asking them what they did. And they're like, oh, do you not see me? I've been in the Bahamas or wherever. Mm. I'm like, no, I didn't actually. Mm. Um, but that's self-preservation for me, because actually if I spend a whole day reading other people's stories and lifestyles, I think I might start to feel a bit under pressure to be the same. And so, because I just do what is instinctive to me, and I'm not too quick to try and replicate anyone else, I've never felt overwhelmed. That's a really good tip, actually. Not compare yourself to yeah. anyone else. Just follow your own lane. I think you do have to stay in your yeah. own lane. You know, live your own truth. And if people don't like it, there'll be other people that will like it. You know, there's mm. always going to be people that will identify with you. There's always going to be people that are going to hate you. So I think once you're accepting of that, and as long as you like yourself, mm. um, yeah, it's fine. I don't mind. Mm. So we have um, a lot of listeners out there who are just starting out their beginning of their careers. And I'd love to give them some tips on how to grow their following. I know that's a million dollar yeah. question, but anything that you've learned along the way that's a little bit unusual, I think you can be share with us. quite proactive. So mm. in the early days of my Instagram, I talked about it before, this engagement and community. And I found people on a similar level to me and we chatted and championed and supported each other. Every post we would comment and like and we would chat about normal things and we befriended each other on DM. Build a small community because each of those people that are building their community are all going to grow and you're all going to grow each other. So that's really important. 
And I don't mean go and finding random people that, you know, a bricklayer and a beautician and go and find people that are doing similar stuff to you. Um, and it doesn't need to be competitive. This really is about knowing who you're going to be meeting on the way up. And then slowly but surely, I did try to get to as many events and networking opportunities as possible. I think Donna Ryder introduced us to very many years yeah. ago. And those kind of suppers and dinners, I was very fortunate to be able to meet people like you at the time that I, I wasn't so big. And I think it's really important. So if you get that hustle to go and meet, you know, if you get an invite, go. Mm -hmm. There's been times at Fashion Weeks where I've invited followers that maybe are just starting out and said, come to this show with me or, you know, come and join me on this. And quite a few times people have pulled out and said, oh, I can't make it. And it's about the hunger and about wanting it and have a real chat with yourself and go, how much do I really want this? How much am I going to give up to get it? Because I don't know anybody that does it, what I do at the level that I do that hasn't given up a lot to be here. You know, it's incredibly tough out there. Mm -hmm. And it, of course, will only get tougher as it becomes more popular. But there's still plenty of room in the industry for somebody new. And I'm quite excited to see some of the sort of emerging talent coming through at the minute. I'm quite, a, I'm quite nosy. So I'm following people at the minute that have maybe got micro-influencers with 10, 20K that are going to be a big deal in a couple of years. So that's quite exciting. Good. And what are your thoughts on hashtags? I don't really use them, if I'm honest. No. Um, I always put hashtag Lorna Lux. Okay. It's the second comment I always make on my own picture. Um, I've got a hashtag called um, Lorna Made Me Do It because a lot of people were buying stuff and saying, well, Lorna made me do this. So I thought, I'm going to have a hashtag. Mm. And it's actually started to have a bit of momentum. Wow. So I quite like that because then you can create a community again with the hashtag. I think that could be quite smart. There's a few girls that have got hashtags, like there's one called, I think it's another um, another po another outfit post. So they can all share that and then as a community grow and look for that when they're searching for similar people they want to connect with. But the big hashtags, you know, Balenciaga and Rodeal Beauty or whatnot, I think they're such big hashtags you could get lost. I, I think the stats were from Instagram that anything under 100,000 uses was a viable hashtag. Okay. Once it got over 100,000, it became lost in the mm. water kind of thing. That's good advice. Yeah. So I'm very excited about your clothing Thank line you. that you recently launched. This is every influencer's dream come true it really to is, ultimately isn't it? come up with their own line, <laughs> whether that's beauty, jewelry, and you've done a clothing range. Tell us, how did that come about? That came about because Adam from In the Style approached my management about a year ago. And I thought it was a joke. I was like, no, why would they want me to do that? And then, the, the you know, followed, I think, three months later, I had a meeting in Manchester to go and meet him. And I was quite sort of not necessarily excited. I was a bit um, nervous, if I'm honest, mm. because there's a huge thing with anybody, especially women, that I feel we don't think we can deliver, especially a task as big as that. I went to the meeting. He was very not what I expected. Um, very business, didn't really talk much about, you know, friendly things. He just came straight out with it with a seven-page document of everything that he thought I could bring to his brand and everything that his brand could bring to my audience. And I really respected that. And I'm a stats person, so I was very excited. And then we started working on it, and bless them, they gave me 100% free reign, and I'm proud to say that every single piece in that collection is me. There's no... Amazing. No yeah, one we've else seen had, the pictures, yeah. they look amazing. And I think that's yeah. really important. If it's not you, it would have been just another an extension of just a normal collab with a brand. So it really had to be mm. me. So I'm honestly overwhelmed. It's been brilliant. I think we sold 70% before it went 
um, online officially. I think 87% on mm. the same day. Amazing. It's just great, like great, you know, soundboard for future. I don't know what's going to happen next. I've not signed um, for the summer season yet. So I don't know when this gets published, but who knows? In the next few weeks, so yeah. we, may, we have some news by then. Yes, yeah, so hopefully, I don't know. Yeah. So you mentioned before that you have a manager, and there's a lot of influencers out there that are thinking, is this time for me to get a manager? How can I get one? When is it time to look for a manager, and how does one go about finding one? So I never had a management team at all. I did it all on my own and stayed up quite late answering all the emails and the the administration of what we do is quite big. And actually, I had three management companies reach out to me at exactly the same time. I think Whaler, which is who manages me, um, Next Models, and another influencer agency from Europe that I hadn't heard of before. And I I think, for Whaler, luckily for Whaler, I met with Whaler first and really liked uh, Lauren, who I met with. I really liked the way she spoke about me and her and how she does business. And that was how we connected. But in terms of how most people acquire agencies, I think a lot of it is the agency contacting them and not the other way around in my experience. Mm -hmm. The management people that I've met in the past have always said to me, you'll know when you need it. And definitely the day that I met with her, I was feeling a little bit fraught from a day of, oh my God, I've got to answer so many emails and I'm doing this all on my own. I don't have a photographer and my husband takes my pictures. I edit my own content. I upload my own blogs. I was just a little bit overwhelmed. Mm. So it was good timing. But of course, with management, they have fees. So it has to be cost effective. And in in the instance of Lauren and Whaler, it's been really good for me. They've opened doors that weren't necessarily there before. Mm. And so my in, I would say that my increase in income has been quite considerable since I've had management. Okay. Which is positive. Um, but I actually really like them as well. Okay, that helps. And we speak a lot. But they're not my friends. These people that I work with every day, we are quite professional, and I really respect them mm-hmm. for that. So that would be my number one tip for looking for a good management is look for people that don't necessarily want to be famous themselves and don't necessarily want to be your best mate, mm-hmm. that they want they have the same goals and passions that you have, which is to grow and to make your business viable so that it continues. Okay. And then just to wrap this up. Yeah. Can you share with us your top three tips for success, not necessarily for Instagram, but generally for being successful? Um, be a researcher. So I think it's really good to do some background on everything that you do, so you feel a bit more confident when you go into anything. Um, be kind, because it costs nothing to be kind. And actually people remember remember how you made them feel and not necessarily what you said. And. I think to I'm a big a big fan of Tony Robbins. I don't know if you're into life I know coaching. Tony Robbins. Yeah. yeah, of course. So I'm a huge fan of Tony Robbins, and I practice a lot of his methods for just day to day getting through my life. So I, you know, I sit every morning and I think about. I have ten minutes every morning where I think about what I want to achieve, who I love most in my life, and how lucky I am for the things that I have. And I think those things keep you really grounded and solid, and that's kind of what keeps me, again, in my own lane, just sticking to doing what I'm doing and I never feel too overwhelmed that way. So yeah, that's my Sounds good. I love the tips. Lorna Lax, thank you for being with us today.
If you like the Overnight Success Podcast, please make sure you tell a friend, subscribe on Apple Podcast, and don't forget to leave us a rating or comment. You can find me at Mrs. Rodia on Twitter and Instagram. This is the Overnight Success Podcast. I am Maria Hatsi-Stefanis. See you next week.